0: two,
1: one. Welcome in to Husker Extra Podcast. The gang's all here. Chris, Parker, Steve. It is 4.13 p.m. Friday, February 19th, year of our Lord, 2021. We got a lot to talk
2: about today. We should just always do this podcast at this time on Friday and call it the Friday News Dump. The Friday News Dump podcast. We'd have to get new polls. Wow.
1: wow, Parker. I mean, our son. <laughs> That has negative connotations.
2: Listen to the young man. It's better than it's does. better than the idea I came up with before we went on the air. Is it though? Would Maybe you like to share that, Parker? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the pieces together on that one. In terms, of- <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let the listeners figure that one out on their own. Um,
1: <laughs> she's Louise. She,
2: cheese and crackers. Cheese and <laughs> rice. <laughs> We'd have to. If that was going to be it, we'd really have to clean up our act. At least on a Friday news dump, we can. It's time for it's us to like, stop. Yeah. It's time for us to like put away the ideas with the podcast and like pick up the
1: good book
0: and like. Yeah, in the name know, of Charles Carroll,
1: let's get this going. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk some football then. We've had a few things happen the last week. The uh, Ireland trip, uh, game in Illinois, uh, called off. Game now in Champagne, week zero. There's a little recruit news to get to. We'll just start with uh, the Ireland trip. I assume you guys had to cancel your your golf tee times for the coast of Ireland uh, this week after that game was called.
0: <laughs> Not exactly, um, but <laughs> Parker, 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 do you have clubs?
2: Yeah, I have clubs. Okay, well, it wasn't a disparaging question. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, <just>, I do. <laughs> I do. I don't. You, I use them a lot less often than I would like to, but I do own golf clubs. Yes, I'm getting. I'm getting Parker out on the golf course this summer when we're all vaccinated up my brother, <laughs> my brother is a golf coach a high school golf coach what and my future go. brother-in-law is like works in golf as well so there you go We've got golf oh, connections go. in the family
0: you'd be a pretty rugged
2: kind of a rough hewn golfer all right i if World there's be- one i think you can just get rid of it the hewn, unless that's the action that I'm taking toward the golf ball. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's like swinging an axe. You'd just be swinging yeah. an axe up there. <laughs> that's really good. It's all right. <laughs> not bad around the greens, but hitting the ball straight is... is yeah, see, There you go. He's got a short game. You can work with that. The Ireland well, trip's not happening. Link, <clears throat> Link's play actually probably would have been to my strong suit. It probably would suit you. Yeah, a lot of wide open spaces, wide fairways yeah unfortunately uh that's not going to happen for a while um I, it is not a surprise right i mean the the pandemic um uh, put this game in jeopardy a long time ago it seemed like it was trending this way you know bill moose is basically just it's steadily moved toward this of you know ticket sales he told us um whatever that was last i guess a week ago last now, friday yeah. yeah yeah that um Most of the tickets for these things are typically sold during the preceding football season, which I guess makes sense. And the ticket sales just lagged. I mean, people don't know. um, I mean, even right now, there's a 14 day quarantine for incoming visitors to Ireland, which basically makes it, I mean, bordering on impossible to just go there for a few days. You're supposed to just stay wherever, you know, you're, you're authorized to stay when you land anyway. So, so, Long story short, I mean, this This has been coming for a while. It's interesting, I think, in sort of looking forward, uh, A, if Nebraska will get back to Ireland against Illinois or somebody else in the next couple of years, and then B, um, that they're still going to play week zero, even though the game is now obviously in uh, Champaign. Illinois gave up the home game to make the Ireland thing happen, so now the game is in Champaign, but still on August 28th which I think, Sybil, don't you think that works out pretty well for Nebraska anyways? You get the early jump on camp, um, you, you play week zero, you mean from in front of, you know, a lot of eyeballs that week, but you're just not going all the way to Ireland to do it. Oh, I
0: think it works out okay. I mean, you, they're going to go play Illinois during the time when the stadium, and I don't know how it will work with crowds. So I think the Illinois fans will be a little more jacked up than usual, or they would have been more jacked up than if Lovey was still Lovey Smith was still there because they have Brett Bielema, but yeah, that's okay. Um, we've been hearing some, we we've, we've heard some sort of background discussion about maybe Nebraska playing Northwestern in 2022, but I think there's a lot of, I think there's multiple games perhaps being considered. Um, so there's who knows what will happen on that front. And it didn't sound from the, you know, the, the game officials, from the releases that occurred on, what day was it, Parker? Thursday? Wednesday? Yeah, uh, um, yeah Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, it sounds like Nebraska, Illinois, in the future in Ireland could happen, as like 2023. Yeah. So who I, I don't know. Would Nebraska go to Ireland in back-to-back years? I doubt that. I just yeah. think there's m- multiple things that are being discussed right now.
2: One way or the other, I mean, if you want an idea of who it could be, just pull up Nebraska's future schedules and look at the road games, right? Cause they're not, I mean, it's not, to, it wouldn't be impossible. There's not any open slots on the schedule the next few years. They could rearrange something, but for the most part, I think the the the, the easiest path to figuring out a, a, re, a reschedule to that game is either A, Illinois just agreeing to give up a home game in 2023 or finding a 2022, for example, opponent that Nebraska was scheduled to play on the road. I mean, they're not going to, I would be really, Nebraska will just never give up a home game at Memorial stadium to go, to go play over there. So it's going to have to be someone else. And then when you just think about like, I think the reason why Northwestern comes up occasionally is just because that's not a place where that's a place where if they played in Evanston, it'd be a lot of Nebraska fans, you know, helping to fill Ryan field as it is. And so, you know, maybe that's a good excuse to go take it somewhere you know, neutral site. Um, So anyways, I mean, we'll see how that goes, but it's too bad. It's too bad that that Nebraska won't be playing over there. It just didn't quite, uh, didn't quite line up timing wise. Yeah. Um, Let's see what
0: else. Oh, the other thing that happened on Wednesday was the NCAA extended the recruiting dead period for all sports to May 31st. That obviously affects Nebraska because Nebraska would like to have Uh, recruited at spring game, which will be May 1st. So, so, so much for that. Um, I don't know, Parker, could they, I, I, you know, they could bring in kids
2: still to town, right? One of the things that, one of the things that, that I know recruits did in the SEC this fall, because they were allowing fans into games was there were definitely recruits that attended SEC games. Now, I don't know exactly what the rules on that are if they had to, They clearly couldn't be on the sideline. They had to have a game ticket just like a normal fan at the game. But I know that there were some recruiting weekends, quote unquote, where you had a handful of of recruits in town. They couldn't do it. You know, dead period was in effect. So they couldn't have an official tour of the facilities or spend time with the coaches, but they could see what it was like to attend a football game at, you know, Death Valley or in Tuscaloosa or whatever. And so – if they allow, let's just say fifty percent capacity at Memorial Stadium on May first, and some of those forty thousand that end up at the stadium happen to be kids that Nebraska really wants to come play football at the school. I mean that that wouldn't be. I don't think that'd be shocking, no. uh, but it will not be able to be an organized, uh, you know, formal recruiting weekend on May first. Yeah,
0: semi-organized, perhaps
2: yeah just right yeah um and so then that sort of it's going to be interesting right because there was a point last year where once once the once the I mean we didn't know sort of it was step by step through the summer and the fall last year it's not like we just knew in May that there would be no official visits at all for the rest of the year and so there seemed like there was a breaking point where a lot of kids decided okay look if it's not if they don't allow visits by September or November or whatever, I'm just going to have to make my decision. And we're starting to get to the point where some kids are going to make that decision for the 2022 class. And, you know, the, the, I thought the language of the release on Wednesday, Sippel, and you, you wrote it up for us, um, the language of the re- release made it pretty clear that they're trying to put a plan in place to have at least some sort of modified recruiting period beginning on June 1st, um, but what that looks like, I mean, they, you know, they said we're committed to having a, a, a system in place where kids can get up to see campuses, but we don't really know what that's gonna look like at this point. So it seems like there are definitely kids. I mean, there was a guy in, in uh, Lansing, Kansas, Caden Crawford, who basically told one of the recruiting sites a couple weeks ago, yeah, if they back it up again, I'm gonna have to think about making my decision earlier they backed it up, and the next day he committed to Iowa. So hmm. he clearly had a plan in place. That's obviously one kid out of a lot, but um, he had a plan in place. He didn't want to wait until who knows when to take visits. And so that's you're going to see that more and more, or at least you're going to see kids say, okay, look, I have to make some sort of progress in my recruitment um, even though I can't take visits before, like we say, at least June
0: 1st at this point. So, yeah, the plant, like one, I, I don't know my imagination. It's not all imagination. I hear things from you and other recruiting people who follow recruiting. A lot of this is zoom calls. Um, a lot of it is, um, virtual visits. And I think you could probably get a lot out of those things. I mean, these, yeah. in, in this day and age, you could take a virtual visit, um, and see Nebraska's facilities at, a. um, pretty detailed level, I think. And I don't know, maybe a kid could still visit Lincoln like Marquis step the running back transfer from USC King to Lincoln on a, what you would call an unofficial visit, but was with Colin Miller and Kurt Ravdahl, you know, two Indianapolis kids. He's an Indianapolis guy native. So those things can happen. This doesn't have to be a, some sort of horrific conversation. Um, It's now that means that they have to do it out of their own pockets, which
2: is not, some people can't do that. Right. And I think one of the things is the sense I've gotten from talking to recruits is sometimes you can get a sense of maybe like, let's just say that you had, let's use Caden Helms as an example, the tight end of, at Bellevue West. I mean, that guy's got 20 offers now or somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 power five offers all around the country. And so he might be able to use the virtual visits and and all of that, the Zoom calls and all of that to narrow his list to a more manageable number than that. But I I talked to his mom actually a couple weekends ago, Sherry, and she said, you know, the thing about the virtual visits is they're great. They're informational. You get a lot out of them. You can ask pointed questions of coaches and get a sense for the, the place and the people. But she said, you know, there's no substitute for meeting someone in person, sitting face to face with someone. And without that, it's really hard to entrust your kid, you know, entrust a staff with your, your kid's future when you've never literally been in the same room as them or standing on the same field as them if you wanted to do it outdoors. So right, you can, it's like the, the virtual visit, I think a lot of the stuff that schools have sort of like conjured up because of the dead period, the Zoom calls and the virtual <clears throat> visits, like I actually think that a lot of that stuff will continue to happen even after we go back to having visits and after hopefully everything eventually goes back to normal, but it will only be one piece of the puzzle and the 2022 kids are very much hoping at this point that they can sort of put the other pieces of the puzzle into place before much longer. Yes. There's a feeling Baz and Parker that
0: that this, what's happening with recruiting this latest news, for instance, is just, making it tougher for teams to catch the very upper echelon teams, the top four or five that you always, that you don't even have to, you don't even really have to assess their rosters. You just know that they're going to be good. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, um, th- those schools. I don't know. I did, and I did talk to a Nebraska official who's who basically felt that way. Um, I would add that. There's some schools that aren't going to be overly affected or not as affected as others. The ones who cheat will still cheat. I mean, that they will. And that's happening, of course. Um, We know in Baz's sport, college basketball, that it's pretty openly done. Um, And the FBI would back me on
1: that. The the, uh, my
2: friends at uh, the FBI, Steve Sipple, the FBI (laughs)
1: would back me on that. That's not that doesn't sound like the first time you've uttered that sentence.
0: So, anyway, that that stuff will still happen, it can still happen
2: at a high level. Well, but it just it, it, it also. It skews further toward schools that are proximate to talent-rich areas, right? I mean, that's the thing. Georgia Georgia Tech's not exactly a football powerhouse, but anybody in the Atlanta area can swing by the campus and walk around and do it in an afternoon. If you're if Nebraska is recruiting, you know, um, if Nebraska is recruiting North Gwinnett High School those kids can't just like swing by Lincoln. And that, that makes it, I mean, that makes it a challenge. It's just, a, it's a challenge at places like Nebraska places like Kansas state, or even to some degree, you know, I mean, Iowa falls in that category, Wisconsin, anyone in the upper Midwest, it's the same old song and dance. It's just more acutely felt because if you're a kid in North Florida and you feel like, you know what? I just really can't, I don't, There's not going to be time for me to go see 20 schools. I mean, you're you're most likely to just stick by the ones that are are nearby you or that you can get a good feel for, that you know a little bit more about. And we we saw that, we saw that, you know, in the last recruiting class too. So I think that's going to continue. One of the things that's interesting in that conversation to sort of continue the train down the tracks here is that the talent in this area is pretty darn good, or at least it looks to be. Um, You know, last year, Nebraska ended up with. What five guys from Nebraska in his recruiting class last year? They've offered five guys this year. There could be more. I wrote a story that'll be going up on the Gerald Star's website just in a little bit um, about husker a couple extra. of com. guys. Yeah, husker extra.com. That's the one. Yeah. Um, about a couple of the guys that could be next in that conversation. Yes. Um, Jake who are we talking about? Well, Jake Applegate, uh, the linebacker ah. slash ah. athlete from Lincoln Southeast, and then Henry Rickles, who's a First of all, has a great name, and second of all, is an offensive lineman at at Bellevue West. Um, both, you know, have been in contact with Nebraska. Um, Jake Applegate has a uh, like. I talked to him last night. He was like, "Oh yeah, I just got off the phone with Frost and and uh, Barrett Rude, and we have a virtual visit set up for Sunday." So it, you just it just feels like this this twenty two class could skew more toward being a little bit more regionalized like 2021 was. And at the same time, they got some headway to make up with some of the, some of the top recruits in the state of Nebraska, which I say completely without jest is an area in which sipple has a, a, a rapidly accumulating expertise in. <laughs> yeah, Bas, let's get Baz into this. Bas, how would you feel? What would you say
0: if Nebraska failed to land the top four players as rated by rivals in 24-7 sports in the class of
1: 2022, which I'd is a, it's it's a just, distinct yeah. possibility. It's probably time to shut down the program, if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, what I mean uh, – That's it. Yeah,
2: that's it. Shut, yeah, up,
1: that's it. shut her down. We're just going to turn put, that into put, a soccer as, to, stadium. To
2: image. draw up some – to conjure some simple imagery, put the padlock on the gates over it on Stadium Drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah shut off the lights soccer stadium
1: no i mean look like the talent's really good right like it's it's more than just nebraska looking at these guys it's it's multiple power programs and multiple power programs that that have reputations or tradition or whatever you want to call it like it's 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 not as simple anymore as Nebraska just rolling into Columbus high school and saying, you know what? We like that dude. Let's, let's get him. You know, it's just not that simple anymore because these guys are really good and they're getting more exposure. And while, while the current situation with, with recruiting and everything might benefit Nebraska in some of those cases might hurt them in some of these cases too, because Mm -hmm you know, that, that you're not getting to Nebraska's campus, but you're also not getting onto Notre Dame's campus or Clemson's campus or wh- whoever else. So everybody is kind of on equal footing in that sense, yep. but then it gets unequal when you look at, well, what's Notre Dame's record the last five years versus Nebraska's or Clemson's or whoever it may be, you know? So, yeah, I, I mean, would I be surprised? No, because there's a lot of really good players in the state right now. And there's a lot of really good programs that are after those players in Nebraska. It's, Nebraska's up against it in in trying to land some of those guys, and it's a lot of it's for the reasons you guys have been talking about for the last several minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about Deshaun Woods, number one from Omaha Central. Uh, Devin Jackson is a second-rated player from Omaha Burke. And then two Bellevue West tight ends, Michael – what is it? Michael Riley-Ducker and Caden Helms. Um, And then the fifth guy is Ernest Hausman. And I'd say, Parker, you'd agree that Ernest Hausman – well, I mean, according to the recruiting guys, he did grow up in Nebraska football fan. Yeah. His family did. And they would probably of those five, they have the best chance to get him. Caden Helms would probably be next, although it's gonna take a lot of work for even those two, I would
2: think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think all all five of them have upwards of of at least I think I think Ernest Hausman's up to eight or ten. Uh, power five offers, and and he's got the least out of that group of five. And so, yeah,
0: they yeah, Parker, they all have them. I mean, they – big names.
2: And, and Houseman has just taken off in the last couple of weeks. I mean, there was a day last week where he picked up, like, Iowa, Michigan, and Arizona State in the same day or something like that. So, I mean, it's – it's I think one of the things, and Baz, Baz alluded to this, but one of the things is, like, if you're recruiting at Notre Dame now or if you're recruiting at Oklahoma now, like none of those guys have been out on the road, right? So I mean, when you when it comes time to to fill, you know, you're filling your hours, you're recruiting. I mean, when Ernest Hausman's film comes across your your desk, you might watch it when you wouldn't have before, just because that's all. That's the only way to recruit now is to you know yeah. is film study and and being on the phone and all that. And so that's part of it. And then part of it, like you say, simple I mean, some of these guys are just first of all, none of them have been alive for even a conference championship at Nebraska, right? I mean, they just, they haven't seen the success that a generation before um, sort of associates with Nebraska football. And then on top of that, you know, Devin Jackson, I mean, both of his parents were division one athletes at Illinois. Um, They weren't, they didn't, he didn't grow up. uh, I mean, he moved here eventually to Omaha, but um, isn't from here originally. And so it just, I don't know. It's, It's become more and more, I think you've seen more and more talent, which means more and more competition, which means more opportunities for these kids to leave the state if they want to. And even then, I think I saw this the other day, that Nebraska's landed like 13 of 16 in-state prospects that they've they've offered since Frost got the job here. It's just, I think that it feels a little different now because two of them were in the last class that didn't come here. Two of the three were in the last class, Keegan Johnson and Avante Dickerson, um, who went to Iowa and Oregon, respectively. And then there's some questions about the top guys in this class and about whether Nebraska can can get them. Um, and so um, th- that's why it feels like maybe the proverbial wall um, isn't quite as strong as, as some people would like. But, I mean, that's the nature of the business when you're recruiting guys that carry the kind of reputation that this crop of players has. Has, has developed for themselves and rightfully so. It kind of well, reminds me of a, something Will Bolt, the
1: Nebraska baseball coach, said a while back. We were asking him, you know, how he was reproaching recruiting and if he was worried that some of the guys they were recruiting would get drafted in the in the Major League Baseball draft and wouldn't come to Nebraska. And he said, well, that probably means we're recruiting the right guys, right, because it means we're recruiting really talented dudes. And Nebraska is certainly going to recruit these guys, but if they don't get them, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. It means they're in on some really talented guys that, all, that a lot of schools want. So Nebraska, in a sense, has the built-in advantage of being the, the home school on some really talented dudes, even if they don't get them. But just because they don't get them doesn't mean it's this, it's this massive failure. It means that they're they're after talented guys. And if they're after talented guys in Nebraska, then guess what? They're after talented guys in Florida, and Colorado, and Ohio, and, and wherever else it may
2: be. So I think
1: that's part of the part of what you have to look at with this. But
2: team. it also—I mean—it's fair to say though, it would not be a great look for Nebraska if they struck out on no all of the top four of one of the most talented classes in recent memory in the state. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not an ideal situation. No, it's not. Stretch of the imagination. No, and I'll, what it—I don't know i guess it's
0: sort of is self evident but we we do say a lot of things that are self evident but when you the losing takes a toll if they were if nebraska was coming off back to back 10 win seasons i don't know that we'd be having this sort this this nature of this extensive of a conversation at least it doesn't guarantee anything but the fervor and the excitement is such that in in, in those type of seasons that i think They'd have a better chance at getting any in-state kid. Um, yeah, so losing, solves a lot of problems. All the losing is bound to catch up in a lot of different areas. There's yeah. a lot of there's a
2: lot of kids too who and I don't I don't I don't want to paint too broad of a brush here, but you definitely talk to kids who are like they're really excited to take their official visits, you know, and and they by and large for practical reasons because you could take an unofficial visit to. Kansas State or Iowa State and not spend a ton of money, not put, you know, you and your parents or, or whatever on an airplane. Um, so, so I think generally speaking, kids like to take official visits to areas that are farther away if they have offers and, are, and interest from those schools. But I, I don't know, I mean, for the last several months, I've been like, yeah, send me anywhere, right? Like let's, the, I think the, the pandemic we've all been for the most part pretty close to home and so then, there's a natural inclination to like want to go see other stuff too. Good point. And yeah. a lot of times, like, like I don't think that anybody would be like surprised if Deshaun Woods, in a normal recruiting environment, was like, "Yeah, I want to take a visit to uh, official visit to Arizona State. I want to go see Miami. I want to go see Texas." Um, like that's a natural, like that. I think Cam Jurgens like took a visit to LSU not that long before he signed with Nebraska. So like, I don't know. There's just, there's an element that, that plays a factor in it to some degree. Now there's a big difference between taking a visit to Arizona state and then choosing Arizona state over Nebraska and signing there and all that. So there's a long way to go. I mean, signing day is in 10 months. So 10 months, there's a lot of recruiting left to be done. We know Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson Deshaun Wood said on Twitter today on Friday that those guys are going to release their top groups uh, on Saturday is what, that's what you indicated. So we'll see what those look like. And then um, the recruiting wheels will just keep on turning. Hey, uh, what time on those about? Like noon or one. Around lunchtime.
0: Around lunchtime. (laughs) All right. Well, there's, there's the football. Now let's turn this over to Baz. Baz has been covering uh, dutifully, the basketball team. Which dutifully. Is playing, dutifully. Which is, <laughs> playing. am coming dutifully. What time dutifully is tip-off for Purdue? On 4.30
1: p.m. Saturday. 4.30, okay. Live from Pinnacle Bank Arena. Your boy okay. will be there. Um, it's been two whole days since Nebraska had a basketball game, and I'm feeling a little weird um, because I'm not covering a game. We got Fred Hoiberg this morning. Uh, previewing the matchup, talking schedule, talking development of players. Um, and it was, I thought it was really interesting. And this is kind of what my story is going to be like, kind of going to play into tomorrow. Um, talk about Eduardo Andre, uh, the, the freshman big man, uh, 16, big man, seven, five wingspan has kind of played more and more uh, over these last couple of weeks since Nebraska's come back from the shutdown and, and how important playing all these games is for him. You know, and he was asked the question, you know, he's been asked it a couple times now, the, the inequities between the schedule Nebraska's playing and the schedule. It looks like Michigan is going to be playing the first place team in the conference, 14 and one, you know, it looks like they're going to win the league championship, be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And then you look at Nebraska, seven games in 12 days, now a couple of days off play tomorrow, a couple of days off. And you're, you're probably every other day after that, the rest of the way. And, and Fred said something really interesting today, and I tweeted it out, basically saying, look, we want these games, and we need these games for uh, development of our guys, and then he pointed to a guy like Eduardo Andre, and he's going he's gonna to get a test tomorrow, Facing Travion Williams, one of the best big men in a, in a conference full of big men, and oh, by the way, they bring a seven-foot-four kid off the bench, and, Fred, and Zach Eady, who's been the freshman of the week, and, and that's what he's talking about. You know, a guy like Eduardo Andre needs to see that and needs to go through that needs to, to face that challenge and, and fail a little bit, to be honest. So you can, you can kind of learn from things like that. And of course you want to go out there and play well, but it's, it's an education. So yeah, this, this is a tough game. They're all tough games for Nebraska at this point where we're not deluding ourselves into thinking otherwise, but it's, it's interesting to hear the way Fred Hoiberg talks about this and is the schedule fair or not? Who knows, you know, who knows what Fred would say behind closed doors, but publicly he's turned it into a situation where they're going to try and use it as a positive and they're going to use it almost like an audition for next season when you're bringing in a really good recruiting class and you can see what some of these younger guys have and see what kind of steps your, your core guys make going into the, going into the next season into the off season. So Yeah, it'll be an interesting challenge tomorrow. You're looking at another NCAA tournament team tomorrow in Purdue. It's another, you know, the thing is, the thing with Nebraska is they've now become that game that none of these teams can afford to lose, right? Like Maryland couldn't afford to lose game. Either of those two games to Nebraska, Penn state could not afford to lose that game to Nebraska, even though they, they did Purdue, same thing, you know, and on down the line, Illinois, Illinois is obviously in the tournament either way, but you're talking about seeding and things like that. So it, it becomes a deal where these teams aren't overlooking Nebraska. I don't think, and and they're going to get these these opponents' best efforts. So it's not like Nebraska's just going to be able to show up and maybe waltz to a win over a Purdue or a, or a Michigan or a Wisconsin or whoever it is. They're they're going to get a lot of really good efforts because it's down to the end of the season now, and in yep. a conference that's that is you know just eating itself up. All of a sudden, <laughs> it's it's a must-win game. For all these teams, even with Nebraska's record. So that, that's another layer on top of it too. So yeah, it's it's a steep challenge for Nebraska tomorrow and going forward.
0: What did Fred say about practice today? That he said did he say they started to practice and three guys limped off. So they just made it a walkthrough. Is that the pretty what I much? Saw yeah.
1: They he, I asked him, you know, how did you how the guys kind of handle? They took a day off yesterday, got back to practice today. I said, how did the guys kind of handle it? He said, Well, we're going pretty good. And we started going up and down. He said, On three consecutive possessions, we had guys limp off the court. And nothing that's going to keep them out of game, the game tomorrow or anything like that. But just, you know, a, a rolled ankle here or whatever there. And all, and all of a sudden, Fred's going, well, all right, we better scrap that and just do a walkthrough. Uh, because, A, you've got to keep your guys fresh. But B, you got to keep them healthy. And, and that's kind of the main thing in all of this. And one of the things Fred talked about was, his concern over the long-term health of his guys and balancing that with, with playing all these games and developing, but yeah, they had three straight trips up and down the court today where somebody limped off and that, that, that just strains you. It doesn't matter who you are. So you, it's, it's going to become a balance, I think for Fred and his staff to, yes, you need to practice and work hard and, and try and correct and fix the things that have popped up these last couple of weeks but you also have to be cognizant, too, of what's happening to these guys' bodies and what they're going through. So it's just going to be a challenge that they're going to face the rest of the year. And the thing with the rest of the year is they're probably only going to practice, you know, full-out practice maybe two or three times the rest of the year because they're going to be playing games every other day or they're going to be traveling to games. So there's not going to be a whole lot of more practicing going on. So I think that was part of the reason Fred was probably a little disappointed this morning was because they were going to get a good practice in, and then they couldn't because those guys limped off the court. So Nebraska's
0: record in the Big Ten now is what? One and eleven. And what's Purdue's? Uh, Not sure off the top of my head. Uh, They're middle of the middle of the pack. And what do they have besides Williams inside six foot ten, and then the seven foot four kid that comes off the bench is Eaton? Did you say? Edie
1: Zach Edie is his name. Well, it's it's just a it's just a classic Purdue team, right? Like you've got these you've got the huge guys uh in the front Purdue is nine and six in the conference 14 and eight overall okay so thank you I, but it's it's like that classic Purdue team well, you've got the two big guys you've got a couple dudes that can shoot it Sasha Stefanovic being being kind of the main guy there well over 40 percent. you know and it's a, it's a classic Matt Painter team where if they get hot from three just you can forget about it because you can't match up with them because then your defense is extended and you've got these huge guys in the middle um Obviously, Travion being a being a really talented player. So, can Nebraska win this game? Sure, absolutely they can. They beat Purdue a couple of years ago uh, in Lincoln when they weren't playing very well. When Nebraska wasn't playing very well, Purdue had a really good team. So, it it certainly can happen. But it's it's a deal where Nebraska needs to get its defense back to where it was, you know, before that second Maryland game when I think the the fatigue finally caught up to them a little bit. And th- this is a tough matchup because can Purdue can throw size at you? And Nebraska's going to have to hope Derek Walker is able to be fully available. They're going to need Eduardo Andre to play well. They're going to need Ivan Wiedrogo to be ready to go too, because that's, that's what you have to stop first with those guys.
0: Yeah. Ivan's minutes have declined because I guess the emerge, well, because of Walker being available again. And then Ed Andre, Eduardo Andre is, you can see him growing literally by the minute. I mean, yeah, it, he's a pretty good player. He has a good, Started playing when he was 14, but he seems to have a good
1: feel for the game, and he's super athletic. Well, he played basketball for four years, and that's and easy to forget, I think, when you watch him because you watch him, you know, even when you watch him shoot free throws. And Fred said this day he's got the nice high release. He looks smooth doing it. Mm-hmm. He's got – they trust him enough where they can put him in the high post and let him feed the ball to cutters. And you're talking – again, you're talking about a kid that's only played organized basketball for four years. We're not talking about high-level basketball. Division one basketball. He's only been playing basketball, period, for four years. He grew, he played soccer when he was younger, so I think it just speaks to the the ceiling of a guy like that and the potential yeah. of a guy. Like that. He's yeah. able to. He, he's athletic. He's really athletic. Is athletic as all get out. And what what have we said from the beginning with him? Can he play defense? Can he run the floor? Can he set a pick and dive to the basket? He's done all three of those things for Nebraska and. Now you get to the point where, okay, let's develop him. Let's throw him out there in some tough situations um, against the Travion Williams, against a Zach Eady, against some of these other guys are going to see against the Luca Garza here, whenever that game gets rescheduled against, against uh, Kofi Coburn over Illinois. And is he going to have some rough moments? Sure. But he's also going to learn a lot and, Fred talked about today how in practice he's generally playing the opposing team's center in practice. So I thought
2: that was super interesting that they're like training him by putting him on the scout team. Yeah. They're basically putting him on
1: the scout team saying you're, you're Luca Garza or you're Kofi Coburn. And we're going to throw you the ball every time down the court. And our number one guys are going to come down and just wail on you. And you got to try and score. Well. i like, what better way to, to learn the game, right? Like what better way to, to get a trial by fire, than in practice when you're touching the ball every time down the court. And then you go into a game and and Fred made a great point today. Then you go into a game and he should know what all those guys are going to do because he's playing them in practice. You know, he's, he knows how they're going to get the ball. He knows which way they're going to go, how they're going to cut things like that. So he's getting an education, a big time education. And, He's he's continued to show improvement, and he's shown exponential improvement. I think, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way they've used him in practice, turning him into the opposing big man and letting him kind of figure it out against some high-level athletes.
0: Teddy's played well. I think the last three or four games, Teddy Allen um, has been a little more under control. I think. Um, not every I mean, shooting not it really not, well. Yeah, yeah. He's shooting it really well. I'd say really. I'd say the last four games. Um it's what Fred's going to have to do is solve the point guard issue. I mean, yeah, they they need a point guard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, what, I don't know how he'll do it, but I think that's, it's become pretty glaring, but it's not like they don't have some guys that are playing. They have some guys that are
1: playing pretty well. They do. Yeah. The, the offense has been a little better. The defense has been a little better. You know, they had a chance to beat Maryland that first game. Let's be honest. They had a chance to win two out of three on that trip. You know, pretty easy. They look what they should. They probably should have beat Illinois. You could have been talking about a team that won three games in a row after starting zero and eight in the league or zero and nine, whatever it was. And so they're playing better and they're more efficient on offense. And do they need a little better point guard play? Yeah. And I think you might see them attack that route through the transfer portal uh, in the offseason. Okay, that's what I was wondering. You know. Yeah, because look, it's basketball. It's it's like every other sport. Now you're going to see attrition and spots will open up and they'll have a spot, but sure. I'm certain they'll go out and try and find a, a point guard of some type of facilitator of some type for what they're going to have coming back next year. So yeah, it's they're playing better. They're kind of, I think, settling into, to an identity a little more. they slowed it down offensively a little bit, which I think has helped Teddy, especially um, get a little bit more under control, take a little bit better shots. Uh, it's helped Delano Banton, I think, kind of settle in. He's, he's really shot the ball well from three uh, the last couple of games. Same with May And you, you see, you've seen progress these last few weeks. And I think with this season being what it is and with what it's turned into, you just wanted to see progress, right? Like you wanted to see steps in the right direction. You didn't want to see the same thing. Every time out where, well, they kind of just look the same and, and nothing's really different or better or worse. Just kind of what it is. They, they've looked better. Now, has it translated to wins? No. But they're also playing in a historically good basketball conference, too. I saw yeah, there's some no,
0: of Yeah. There's no doubt they're better defensively than yeah, last. They year. are. I mean, they, are. they actually do guard the rim. I mean, there's, yeah. they're not – there's. Yeah, they don't have the quintessential big man like you're going to see with the seven-foot-four kid from Purdue or the one at Michigan – uh, but they do def- – they're long, so they do defend the rim pretty well. They did a good job on Coburn, for instance. Yes. He
1: didn't take over that it, game. Yeah. A guy like, like that's just going to get his just because he's such a monster. And, and But there's a lot of guys like that. Hunter Dickinson, like you said, is like that. Luca Garza is like that. Trayvon Williams is like – it's just – it's a, it's an interesting league because there aren't a lot of teams in the country that play like a lot of the big teams in the Big Ten play. You know, it, go look at the Pac-12 and it's not loaded with all these great big guys. Big 12 is the same way. ACC, SEC, same way. You know, Gonzaga doesn't really have a huge they've – got, they've got talented players, but they don't necessarily have a guy that they're going to throw it to on the block and he's going to demand a double team or anything like that. So the Big 10 really, really good, historically good uh, if you look at certain metrics. But it's also unique in the way that so many of its teams play and that that's a challenge for a team like Nebraska who's kind of trying to find its way and maybe doing it with not quite the right personnel too if they, and I'm not saying Nebraska would be a you know a 500 team in the big 12 or anything like that but it would just be different because the Big Ten is so unique and it's such a throwback compared to what we think of as modern basketball um, that it's it's a it's challenging because the team's really good B it's challenging because it's, a,
2: it's just a unique brand of basketball in today's game Mostly unrelated, but that's going to make it that that factor is going to make the uh, NCAA tournament so interesting. You can have nine or ten teams from the Big Ten. It sort of feels like it's going to be boom or bust. You know, you're either going to end up with you know four or five teams in the Sweet Sixteen, or or you could have the what feels like sometimes it feels like an annual tradition where you get to the second weekend and you're like, was the Big Ten really that good? Um, Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be. I don't know. I think it's shaping up to be a really interesting March all the way around.
0: March, Baz. March is when Nebraska will
1: start playing baseball. That's a segue, people. March 5th. Two weeks from today, uh, season actually opens today nationwide, February 19th. Uh, I'm actually going to tune in. Florida is playing Miami today, number one, number 21 in the country playing playing each other. I'll tune in and watch a little bit of that. But yeah, Nebraska doesn't open for two weeks. Uh, Big Ten only schedule. 44 games. Uh, Nebraska is going to start out against with four against Purdue down in Round Rock, Texas. And they're going to head up and play a little, little game, a little bit in us bank stadium up in Minneapolis. They'll set it up for baseball. And then you get into the conference schedule, four game weekends on some weekends with doubleheaders. you're going to have pod weekends where you're playing two games against the host team and, and two more against another team that's there. Uh, and no big 10 tournament uh, at the end of the year. And that's, that's maybe the one big thing to take out of this, not that they're, having, that they're not having a tournament, yes, but not maybe for the reasons some people think of, which is, oh, cool, we get to go spend a few days in Omaha and watch some baseball. This is a thing that I think a lot of people share this sentiment that, that could end up hurting the conference. And all you got to do is look at Michigan two years ago. That's a team that was basically an inning or two from its season being over. They weren't going to make the NCAA tournament. Then they rallied and won their losers bracket game. And then they went on to win the big 10 tournament. And then look what happened. They ended up in the CWS championship series. And you know, it, you're not going to have that opportunity for a team to do that this year. And you could be looking at a situation where if a team finishes, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth in the conference. And is on that NCAA tournament bubble. Are they getting in? Yep, Probably not, you know, cause the RPIs aren't going to be great. They're not going to have a, a log of games against outside competition it's just going to be who they played in the league so it's it's an interesting way that they put the schedule together but ultimately I think it's it's a little short-sighted in that it could really hurt teams at the end of the year uh, based on the RPIs and the, and the lack of outside competition
0: Yeah and I suppose part of the reason they do it is well like you said in your story they're playing an all-conference schedule so why
1: play a conference.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that
1: part of it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it makes sense too, that they're, if they play non-conference opponents, they're playing teams you, you with testing protocols that aren't like the big tens in some cases, maybe aren't as stringent.
1: I wonder how much of that of that went into it. Yeah. Probably some of that, but also we're talking about baseball, right? Like it's, it's a sport where you're mostly socially distanced, just, just naturally, you know, right. and, and the, the risk of, of spreading the virus from team to team is probably even lower than it was for football and basketball. We haven't seen many, if any cases of that happening where a team is, you know, look at Nebraska, they played Indiana and went on pause the next day. And Indiana never shut down their basketball operations, you know? So, Good it's, you know, I, I wonder about that. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reasoning the big 10 is using. I don't know how sound that reason. No, I don't is. know
0: if they are. That's the reason Sipples is using. I, I, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know how sound your reasoning is, then, <laughs> um, which is a pretty pretty normal occurrence. But wow, 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 yes. wow. wow. Sorry, wow. No, um, I'm, the, I'm the, the other part of this too, and I didn't even think about this until today. But you know, if if the Big Ten, if you're a regular season conference champion, is then your automatic qualifier. What happens if you get to the end of the season? You got two teams tied for first in the conference, and you don't have a real good tie. Both go. Right? Both go. Are they both going? Are you going to, is it really going to come down and say Michigan and Iowa are tied for first in the conference and they're going to meet on the, on the border and, and flip a coin to see who goes to the NCAA tournament? Oh yeah. Know? And that coin flip keeps a team out. Maybe, you know, who, who knows what it's going to, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of potential snafus here that can happen with the way the big 10 is doing this. And it's, I'm fascinated to see what it's going to look like. You, you think Will Bolt has a team though, right? I think he's got a team. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to go out and go like 34 and 10 or anything like that. They might, but the talent, it's kind of like, it's all, its a, I'm, I should be careful how I say this. It's a little bit like basketball. I think it's pretty clear that the talent has been upgraded. Right. But in, until we see it in action, we don't know what that means. I think the pitching staff is going to be a lot deeper. I think there's a lot more athleticism at the position players, uh, especially in the infield. Um, Some of those freshmen they brought in, Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews, both come to mind. Bryce Matthews was a 6A quarterback in Texas who's now playing baseball at Nebraska to tell you what kind of athlete he was. You know, they've they've got some dudes and they've got some young guys that that can really play. Plus, you return a guy like Spencer Schwellenbach, who's on a lot of preseason All American lists, All Conference lists, but one of the best shortstops in the country. He's going to pitch a little bit, apparently, throwing in the mid 90s. You know, they, they've got, they kind of look like a, like a baseball team, SIP. And I know that's something we've talked about in the past. When they, when they get off the bus this year, they're going to look like a high level team. They're going to look like some of those, not exactly like some of those older Nebraska teams, those CWS teams, but closer to it than how they've looked the last few years. And that's, I think the benefit of having a guy like Will Bolt and Lance Harvell, the recruiting coordinator, they're going out and finding these guys. They're finding big, strong athletes and, they're saying, we're going to turn these dudes into baseball players. They've got guys that can throw hard, and velocity is going to be up on the mound. I think athleticism is going to be better on the field and at the plate. Does that translate? We'll see. But on paper, this team looks like it should take a significant jump forward just from, a, from an athleticism, from a talent standpoint. What is that?
0: So how's it going to work with the crowds in the stadium? Is this a 0
1: attendance deal yeah I, I mean until the big 10 says otherwise you know it's it's a family family only situation and whether that changes a month from now when it warms up and the vaccine's a little more prevalent we'll see but you know it, it, for now i think it's just going to be family only i don't know if they're going to do for media at haymarket park we all know yeah what guys, will you be in a press box or will you be coming they, the- they might put me in a lawn chair out in the berm and just say Take a couple of blankets and figure it out yeah put me in the batter's eye out there <laughs> Oh, there's my dog barking. Yeah. What's that dog's name again? Gus. What's that dog's name again? The the neighbor kids are out across the street going going nuts. So here, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put myself on mute for a second. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so,
2: simple. You remember in our chat with Bill Moose last week, he he said Nebraska's athletic director said he, he's he continues to push for more localized control on um potential crowds with, with spring sports, and especially with baseball and softball that are outdoors. Um, You know, he, he wants the ability to work with the Lincoln Lancaster County health department to, to figure out what they would deem safe in that regard. But for big 10 competition, that's for now that rests in, in the conference's hands. It's one
0: of those conversations Parker that we run into during COVID that creates a little bit of confusion because, for instance, we've talked about this, the NSAA, the Nebraska School Activities Association, for their district and subdistrict high school competition is allowing 75% yeah. Yeah. capacity. So people look at that and say, no, wait no, wait a second. Why, why are they allowing 75% capacity? And apparently the local health officials are fine with that. They've, they've signed off on it. So why not be able to go to baseball games? And I think that's there's a degree of frustration that Bill Moose and Nebraska officials feel and probably Nebraska fans feel, especially yeah. if, if, Baz, if Baz, if that team gets going, if it's as good as Baz
1: thinks, you know, if that, if that team gets rolling, people would like to see it, you know? Well, and, and think about how it works every year with baseball at Nebraska, right? As soon as that weather gets warm, Haymarket Park fills up because you've been cooped up all winter. It's been cold, it's been nasty and now throw in what's happened over the last year where people have really been cooped up inside. That first 70, 75 degree day, Nebraska got a home game against Ohio State or whoever it is and Nebraska's going good. Think about how many people, you can put 6, 7000 in there. No, no, that's not going to happen. No, and you're going to have a lot of people going or well, why not? We just saw, you know, 3000 people at the State Girls Basketball tournament. Why can't we have a couple thousand over at Haymarket Park? So yeah, you guys are right. There's, I think it's just a lot of frustration with, with Bill Moose, with the athletic department, because you see what's happening with sub-district basketball and with state wrestling and things like that. And it's not happening with with the local college teams. And, it, again, yeah, if this team gets going and the weather gets nice and they're not allowing fans in, I think you're going to hear a pretty pretty loud uproar uh, if it gets to that point. Well, there you go. There uh, you go. What podcast. Yeah, that was what a pretty a, good... That was a good one. That was a good February 19th report. Good job, guys. Yeah. Friday yeah. News Dump. Friday <laughs> News Dump podcast Heart. Heart. with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just snorted. That was good. Not problems. We've all been cooped up for too long. We got I, I, I long for the day when we're all in the same room screaming at each other. I know. That stuff.
2: We're playing. we when we're throwing the football around the office again. Oh, that, oh that, my first, day, that first day, throwing the football around. The, the that, second I got
1: that second shot in my arm, I'm beelining for the office. I'm grabbing oh, that, that football. That, that must been have sense. been incredibly annoying for some people in the office. Probably that's they. A lot of people are probably pretty happy at the office. So we haven't thrown that thing around for twelve months. Yeah, I mean, we were hitting things with the ball. I mean, we're here, like yeah. windows and stuff, like other people's chairs. Yeah, desks. Small.
2: Hitting windows
1: Bones. about this big. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. on money. We were squeezing Remember, it into windows is what we were doing.
0: Right. Yeah. That's right. Remember when I hit a pulled or something that made a loud crash and Parker literally ran into my office. Into That's the, the
1: fastest I've ever seen Parker move in my life. I don't mean that as an insult to Parker. The, the young man was flying into your office at, at a high rate of speed. To the corner, like a little kid, like like I didn't do that and I'm
2: I'm away from the scene. The thing that the thing that I don't like that those um the little poles in the newsroom, they like literally have wires and stuff running through them. Like
0: yeah, they have them. wires. It could have been it uh, could have been problematic.
1: It'd been problematic. And then we all went home for 12 months, so it didn't really matter anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're we'll right. throwing the
0: football around again.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Lick my fingers. Get a good finger. God, that's down. disgusting. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I just, I just, you got a good grip on it. Yep. Yeah. All right, dudes. Good talk. We'll check in next week for our February 26th podcast. I'm sure it'll be just as riveting as this one. And and until then, we'll uh, we'll see you guys soon.